0: Welcome to week two of Wrestling With Topics. My name is Matthew Lehner, and today we are covering one of my favorite wrestling entities. That is right. Going down south, WCW, but actually for this episode for WCW, we are sure as hell not going down south. We are going to up north, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Man, of all the places, could you imagine WCW going to a cold-ass place? But they did, and they did it back on September of 1995 in the Mall of America. They debuted their first episode and made history. I said made history on September fourth, 1995, when these carnies, these fake wrestlers, these Gentlemen went up to the Great White North and put on one hell of a show for their first episode to start off the 83-week winning streak against the WWF. So how great is this to to do going from last week's episode covering Daniel Bryan versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt and what I thought of Royal Rumble 2020 And what's going to happen to WrestleMania 36-2. Going to Hulk Hogan's pasta shop in Mall of America. Yeah, listen to this. So we are going to venture all around this. I'm going to cover all the topics of the first, very first episode of WCW Monday Night Trail. We're going to talk about Lex Luger. We're going to talk about Hulk Hogan. And his pasta shop. And I am going to deep dive into the very first <clears throat> very first episode of Monday Nitro. When I first saw this episode, when I when I first saw this first episode of Monday Nitro, I watched it on I probably watched it when I was a kid. Um I was of course 5 years old. Now I'm almost 30 and going bald, but when I first saw this episode, I said, oh my god, why can't all wrestling promotions do this? Why can't all of these wrestling promotions, like an AEW, which, I mean, they've been good, they've been okay, like an Impact, like some of these wrestling organizations that are are lost, how to start a wrestling promotion, they are confused. And what I would say is, these guys need to go back to September the 4th, 1995, and watch from Mall of America, and that is how you start, that is how you start a wrestling promotion. You start in the biggest mall, the biggest-ass mall that you can find. I'm not talking about your mom-and-pop's mall, I'm talking about... This mall, the mall, the mall of America. And you you know what Eric Bischoff did? And all his cronies, all the guys that worked with him around him? They picked the mall of America to host the first WCW Monday Night Show. I think that was the greatest thing to do when starting a new promotion. When I mean, WCW... Was around for many, many years. The Ric Flair era. The Harley Race era. The Dusty Rhodeses. All through the Starcades. But to start a weekly television episodic show. On a national broadcast syndication. Funded by Ted Turner. And you have this show. And you know what they did? They could have went to any arena. They could have went down. To any arena in the South. You know what? They had the balls to say, you know what? I No. If we're going to compete against a drug or Which at that time, the WWF was going through a new era. The new era. They were struggling. 1995 was the worst time for WWE slash WWF at the time. It was the worst time for them. They couldn't get anything going. They they were literally shitting the bed. They could not get anything going in the WWF. So here comes Money Nitro. Here comes Eric Bischoff and says, you know what? This is what we want. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put a ring, a literal... Think about this. They put a literal ring with seats around the ring and... It was in the middle of the mall. So when people are going up and down these escalators and shopping at this mall, they they were so smart to put that ring in the Mall of America because not only did they have fans around that ring, if you watch it on the WWE Network, which you need to subscribe and pay the $9.99 because you can watch literally anything. And that's how I pretty much deep dive and do all my aspects of stuff in the wrestling world and wrestling era. They were so smart. Because when you clicked on that. When you grabbed that remote in 1995. And you turned on WCW. Or well, when you turned on TNT. And you saw this new wrestling show. Which you probably got tons of commercials for. You, your first look was that ring. and all, And that's what caught my eye. That is what caught my eye. Is seeing all these people going up and down those escalators must have been hundreds of thousands of people on that monday night you know you got to think about people that live in that area people that were on vacation during that time in september it was still in summer i mean maybe the school districts weren't starting yet but you have escalators galore of flocks of people going up and down these escalators and there is the ring that to me is the greatest arena not even it's not even an arena it's a it's a mall that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in the wrestling world so I wanna I wanna I I, I am so excited that I can do cartwheels because I I am pumped like the Macho Man says oh yeah that's how I feel about this episode Bray Wyatt and the Bray Wyatt the Fiend versus Daniel Bryan was a great episode but this episode I cannot wait to dive into I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my thoughts, my thoughts and opinions coming up next on what I, and I'm going to do the deep dive of WCW episode number one for Monday Nitro, September 4th, 1995. We're going from 2020 and we we're rewinding back to 1995 when we had VHS tapes. Where we had TVs, where you had to record Monday Night Raw, so you could got a glimpse of that guy and this corporation that would would make millions, not not even billions of dollars, and beat Vincent Kennedy McMahon for eighty three weeks. Let me say it again, eighty three weeks. He. Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner was the hottest tag team, and you know when it started right at this at this moment in 1995 on September 4th, when people were had to record Monday Night Raw because you couldn't miss this. It was jam packed of action. So, with that being said, I do want to dedicate this podcast to my grandpa that just passed away. Um, got breaking uh, sad news yesterday. Uh, for my family and I I want to dedicate this to him um you know I he watched a little bit of wrestling and I know he would like this podcast so grandpa I love you we miss you this one's for you uh, but after the break I am going to deep dive the hell out of the whole the whole card I'm going to deep dive and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to drop the leg drop because I want to talk about Hulk Hogan The Hulk Hogan's Pasta Shop and the menu. That's right. Come on. We're not just talking about wrestling. We are talking about Hulk Hogan's Pasta Shop. If I was a kid and mom and everybody else, if you were with me and we were in Minneapolis, Minnesota that September 4th night, we would be eating at Hulk Hogan's Pasta Shop. Not going to the beach shop, the pasta shop. I want to talk about Lex Luger, in my opinion. Did his career really succeed with WCW compared to the WWE? Did I think he was actually better off in WCW? Because you see more stuff about him in WCW than you do the WWF. So I want to pick the brains and go over that after the deep dive. And I want to talk about Hulk Hogan and really what transpired that first night on Monday Nitro. So coming out of this next break, I will deep dive into the first card of WCW Monday Nitro. And give my honest opinion on each match. And I'm going to give it some ratings. And what I thought those matches did and could have done. So, after this break, we will tackle that. Hey, brother. 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 Yes, can I help you, sir? Alright, are we... Hey, brother, are we going to talk about uh, Pasta medium dude? What are you talking about? Pa- Pasta mania, Mall America, brother. Pasta mania, I, d- uh, is this Hulk Hogan? Yeah, dude, this is this is Hulk Hogan. And I want, I want, I want to tell you about my hawkeroni cheese. Hawkeroni <laughs> cheese, dude. What are you talking about? I'm trying to deep dive for our fans about WCW's first episode. Oh, brother, come on! I'm don't roll me up here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying I'm trying to talk about Hulk's power pasta. Brother, penne pasta, man. It's just like when you eat vitamins, it gives you the power of the Hulk Hogan. Of me, Hulk Hogan, a real American dude. Hulk's power pasta? I know you're going to be in this episode, but I don't get why your music started. I don't understand what, what, what are you doing? Man, come on, dude. I'm trying to try and get more business. I, I'm about to be I'm about to be out of business, business, brother. I want so I want people to eat, eat my angel hair and shells and nuggets, dude. Man, I I don't have time for your Possumania, mania, Hulk. We're trying to do well. Uh, what about the young kids? uh eat their vitamins and say their prayers, man. And eat the Hulkios. That's right, H-U-L-K-I-O-S, brother. Uh, I know the kids would like to eat that stuff, Hulk. Well, you're trying to cut me off, man. You're trying to roll me up. Are, are we going to have a match? Well, I, I, well, during this episode, you were too busy at your pasta shop. I would have challenged you to a match. Oh, you're just trying to run from me, man. That's not cool, brother. Cool dude. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hulk. But we need to move on here because all the, all the, everybody wants to know about the, the first night of Monday Nitro. All right. Well, well, well. Oh! Ah! Well, I just want this to be... I want people to go to my restaurant, man. We're struggling. Well, you know what? We won't be struggling here soon, Hulk. We're going to have people listen to this podcast. It's all good, brother. Are you sure it's going to be all good? It's all good, man. We'll, we'll, We'll have people go to your shop, all right? All right. Okay, we can actually move on from this conversation. Hulk Hogan, he hung up the phone. And now, since he is done with his diatribe, and done boring us about his restaurant, we can move on and do the deep dive for WCW Monday Nitro 1995. So, we get to the episode, and we have the Nitro Classic opening, which I just love that. You have the flames going down the street. All the traffic lights are just blowing up. It's, it's literally, it's like somebody took TNT and went down a major city and started blowing shit up. You have the, the traffic lights going out. And you just, and you hear this, this loud, rawr. <laughs> like, seriously, talking about Hulk Hogan. You just hear this, rawr. And then, boom. And the sewer, the sewer opens up. Everything opens up. And, man, here we are. With the very first episode of Monday Nitro here in September fourth, nineteen ninety-five, here on Labor Day, <laughs> Labor Day. So, a helicopter flies over Minneapolis, Minnesota. Looks like a beautiful city from what I saw on the network. Uh, a lot of skyscrapers. Your typical, your, your typical city. It's just like a Chicago or Detroit. It's up and up north. Which is so weird that I'm, like, I'm doing a WCW podcast and we're talking about up north. Like, this feels like this should be, like, Vince McMahon territory. Like, this should be old school, New York way, the Connecticut way, the WWE way. Like, they control, during that time, they control the north. I mean, they were everywhere, of course. I mean, they were north and south in 95. But this just, to me, feels like... This this whole this whole episode was a shot at the WWE. Like, I'm going to tell you guys like all about what was going on. And what, from my eyes, what I saw. But just watching tidbits of this episode. Which I love how on the network, because this helps me deep dive. Like, they literally do sections of the episode. So, it's pretty cool how they did that. But it literally just seems... To me, <laughs> to me, that it was a whole shot. It was Eric Bischoff and his executives at Ted Turner literally going in this first episode and saying, you know what, every shot we can take at Vince, we're going to do that. And that is what led to their, to their demise. They took too many shots at Vince McMahon and the WWF at the time now WWE um it's so weird saying WWF and you'll you'll hear me correct it and say, I always will start with WWE but at the time they were not the World Wildlife Foundation <laughs> they were the World Wrestling Federation at the time so it's going to be hard I'm going to keep saying WWE, WWF but it's so hard cuz you're so used to saying WWE anymore but from what I'm saying is what what chances did these guys do, and what what hoops they went through, just to take wisecracks at Vince and say, you know what, this is what we're doing in 1995. We're gonna, we're not, we could easily been in Atlanta. They could easily been in Atlanta. That's the CNN headquarters. That's where Ted Turner and all his brain trust were at at the time in this, in the 90s. They were at CNN's tower in Atlanta. So they could have easily said, you know what, first episode, they could have went to the Georgia Dome, which, you know, we saw later in 98, there was Goldberg and Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. So they could have went there. They could have went anywhere from Maryland to Florida and did a grand opening at any any arena, any, any place, but no. They decided if we're going to compete and be a national competitor, and how can we shove it down Vince's throat other than going into New York, because Vince owns the New York. That's that's McMahon territory. It's New York, which would have been ballsy if they really would have did that. But they said, you know what, we can't do that. But what we can do is we can march our asses another way and go to the biggest mall in the whole United States, the Mall of America. So I. I I applaud them for that. Because they, they did wonders going there. So, like I said, a helicopter flies over Minneapolis, Minnesota. Bischoff um, pretty much just says, Welcome to the Land of the Thousand Lakes. And that's true. Land of the Thousand Lakes. That's a beautiful area there. And then they do an excellent, and I mean excellent, shot of the Mall of America. Like, it's like an old-school shot. Like, if you want to sum up the 90s, you see a big mall like that with big letterings. You have the American flag, the state of Minnesota's flag. And then, literally, this is the thing I thought when I first saw this. I'm like, you know, look at the store they show. They literally... They literally... I mean, it's... And it just had to be recorded, like, right before. The flyover was live but. When they filmed, like, there, I think that that was not live. I think that was maybe an hour or two prior before the show. Which the show, in overall, is a 45-minute episode. And that's cut down for the network and stuff. But you see Sears. And Sears just, just recently became a struggling company. You know, if you hear all the reports of them closing stores and them not... Not doing well. I mean, it's because of Amazon. It's all the online shopping. So when they when they zoom into that mall and they zoom into Sears, it's like, it's like a flashback when things were good. Like, I'm a 90s baby. I know I didn't have an 80s Mercedes. But I'm a 90s baby. Damn it. And I think we should go back to that. I think we should all go back to the malls. And I think that we should start shopping at malls again. Malls are going to please. So when you see a store like the Mall of America, it's like, wow. Like that is a that was a great time back in the nineties. And it's hard to believe it's so many years now. But just to go back and see that, it was that that was just a that that's when things were great. Things things aren't so great. But back in the nineties, things were pretty damn awesome. So they do that awesome shop on the mall. Um you know, and then we get the first glimpse. It's such a small, small little glimpse, and I, I love it. It's so on the left corner of the screen. You see the drop down, of that, it, that steel that drops down, and you see TNT Live. Like, that is a typical WCW thing. Like, seeing where it says TNT Live, like, that just shows you man, WCW is on. It's on TNT. It's on Monday nights. It's competing against the greatest force in professional wrestling, the WWF slash WWE. That, that right there is Vince's worst nightmare. And this episode is his worst nightmare. And this is how they, they pick up momentum to lead to that 83 win, winning streak because Vince doesn't have an answer for this force and monster coming towards him. He was never challenged. Him and his dad won over the territories, and him and his dad picked everybody off. Even going back to WrestleMania One, which was a massive gamble that should have that should have flunked. That that WrestleMania One should have flunked, but they they put all the chips in, and Vince said, "You know what? I don't care about territories. I really don't. It's not. It's, it doesn't matter to me. I want to go." A nation, I want to go nationally out there and, and be the number one entity in the professional, professional wrestling business. And that's what they did. That right there is what they did. So that intertwines with WCW. This is what they did. They could have failed the first night. They could have failed night one. Night one. But they did such a amazing job. An amazing job that they didn't fail night one. They actually matched WWE right away with the filming and with the progress of that. So kudos to them for everything that they did in this first episode. It is it's unbelievable what they pulled off at that mall, at the Mall of America. So we have Bischoff on Commentary, which is which I actually like Bischoff on Commentary. I actually, you know, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. You have the owner, and you know what he's doing? Listen to how sly this son of a bitch is. He is he's doing what Vince did back at when when get this, Monday Night Raw debuted in nineteen ninety-three. Who was on commentary that night? Vince McMahon. The owner of the WWF. So and who's uh Who's running things right now in WCW? Yeah, you got it. Eric Bischoff. And then we also see uh, you know, with Bischoff being there, we see Mongo McMichael. Um, you know, Mongo is famous for all the f- sports teams he's played on, so he's uh he's more of like the what do you call it? like a collar sort of like a collar commentator. He's almost like Okay, so you have Bischoff. Bischoff's a good, the good guy. He's going to commentate for all the the yippee skippy, the yes mans, the like the the underdogs, and then Mongo has that like play by play, like sports. Like you know, because he's fresh from like the NFL, he's more of a, a sports commentator, and then so we see Bischoff, we see Mongo McMichael. Which are two famous guys in the WCW era and the WCW episodes, and and then what you know, I'm gonna rewind. Like I just said earlier about you know Vince being on commentary. Let's go back to night Raw of 1993, and who do you see that night that kept trying to get in that building on that first Raw episode? Bobby the Brain Heenan. Fast forward to 1995. You know, over two years later, in 1995, WCW's Monday Nitro's first episode. Who do we see? Bobby the Brain Heenan. I want to talk about Heenan here in a few minutes. Okay? When you watched old school primetime wrestling, when you watched all the old school pay-per-views, all the WrestleManias, all the old-school home video home video classics, the Coliseum videos. Who did you see with Gorilla Monsoon? It was Bobby the Brain Heenan. It was the Weasel. He... I think Bobby the Brain Heenan made the WWF very enjoyable when he and Gorilla would commentate together. I think that other than... Uh, if you want to compare it to Jim Ross and Jerry the King Wall or you're comparing apples to oranges, but I think those two guys, and I don't even think, those two guys are the greatest commentating team that I've ever seen. So here you have Bobby in New York that first night for Monday Night Raw, you know, in which today we still have Raw on TV. And then he goes a couple years later and says, you know what? I'm gonna go against my my team. I'm gonna go against Gorilla Monsoon. I'm gonna go against the the WWF, and I am gonna go collect my money, collect, collect my paycheck. Because you gotta think, 1995, WWE was moving away from the old like the older commentators at the time. From '95, you had pretty much most of '95 was Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. That, that's before we had Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, when we were getting right before the Attitude Era and going into the Attitude Era. So, sorry, I just, like, burped, and, it like, I have jalapeno chips, and it's, like, fucking terrible. I burped, like, tuna and jalapeno chips at the same time. So, excuse my loud burp. That has, has, And that yes, this will make the recording. But after, before I burped, I <laughs> have like a whole a whole yo brother, brother. Oh Jesus, what now, dude? Dude, were you burping? Were you burping pasta up, man? Hulk, I already told you, I, I I'm eating a tuna sub from Subway. Subway, man. What are you talking about, brother? You're supposed to go to the Pasta Mania, man. I never said. And that first phone call, that I was going to go to the pasta media. I have a more enjoyable sub. Oh, come on, man. I can make a cheeseburger sub there, dude. Jeez, I, I don't even think I could trust you cooking, a, uh, cooking an omelet. Why would I trust you making a sub? Oh, come on, man. It would be great. Okay, Hogan. I literally burped. And I burped good food. I, your, your pasta media only lasted a few months well, well, I, 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 I had it going. You see the crowd that's coming up? We're, we're not at that point yet, Hulk. Oh, come on, man! You have to see how, what the crowd was like. All the little, little Hulkamaniacs. All those little, those vitamin-eating little, little Hulkamaniacs. They're hawking up with me. Hawking up with me, dude. Oh my god, you're giving me a headache, man. I hope you're not going to be in every single podcast coming up cuz I I can't survive this. Oh, well, you better watch it coming up though. I'll be All right. click. All right, I I hung up on him. He keeps interrupting our our podcast. I burped and now he now ring ring I am a real bring, American. Bring. I'm not fighting any man. Hello? Oh, you picked up, brother? <sighs> yes, because you kept blowing my phone up. Now what do you want? Oh, oh, oh. Pasta Mania, man. Click. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This this guy does not give up. He wants me to talk about pasta mania. I'm getting to that point, but he needs to be patient. Wait, all that because of a burp. I... <laughs> but anyways, go on back to what I was saying. But those two guys made WWF enjoyable, made it watchable, made it to a next level. And now you have him on Nitro, and you're going, okay. And the way Bischoff introduced him and had had him, had Heenan come onto the screen like he did was... was impeccable it was great so then what we see is it was almost like mongo was gorilla and he was playing the part of gorilla monsoon because then he got he got to the weasel He had, he said hey i want to shake your hand and welcome you to wcw nitro and he buzzed him <laughs> he literally had like a joker like he literally was being the joker from batman and literally had a fucking hand buzzer, which was so fucking great, and buzzed the shit out of his hand. So that was that was pretty funny how they introduced him. And then so right before our first match, we get to a beautiful, a be- and I want to say I I didn't mention this either. When they opened the episode, it was so cool how they how they did a. A bird's eye view of the whole ring of the mall, like if you pull this up on the WWE Network, it's so great how they did that. And I wish, I wish newer events like WWE events, AEW, um, if Impact Wrestling is still on, which I don't even freaking know, I think they're on. Uh, like a let's see a lucha lucha Libre shit. That's what they need to do. Is, I think if I remember Lucha the lucha, <laughs> this is so bad. I don't even remember their name. I, it's. Lucha something, but they do it like a, from their Aztec arena, they do have like a camera on top, but the way WCW Nitro did that was, was awesome, they had a bird's, they literally put a, in 1995, it blows my mind, they literally put a camera above the ring, so it, it literally pointed down to the ring, and like, that was their, that was their show, like, they had the smart enough thing to have something like that to sh- have a bird's eye view, so I I thought that was great, but then right before the first match, they show these beautiful glass windows inside the mall, and it just it just it looked great how it was all set up. But, um, so we pan to our first match of the night. It's Juice and Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman. I to be deadly honest, I think it's a great way to start WCW's first episode. Off with Liger in there and Pillman. But Liger, he made WCW. He was one of the cruiserweights. Like, if you think about cruiserweights, you think of Liger. You think of Malenko. You think of Mysterio. You think of Eddie. You think of who and Guerrero, Guerrera. Um, Psychosis. But Liger kicked off the whole... these. The, actually, both these guys, even Pillman. But Liger kicked off that... Monday night, cruiserweight, delight. Like, he was the kickoff for everything. So, um, out comes first, first match, bell rings. Out comes first, uh, juice and thunder, lager. Um, I absolutely love his mask with the horns. He has the white attire, white, red, and black. um. You know, and it's just great. To, it's just a great thing. Like, it's awesome to see him wearing that. Like, he just looks so cool. Like, he looks like an ass kicker in that. Like, he, he looks like he's going to take flight and, and fly with the birds. Like, he, he is so cool in that attire. And then the next thing we literally see after Liar comes out, there is this big, big white sign. Like, a big poster board sign. And I swear, because, you know, like, when you go to WWE events, like, they have, which I have done, my mom's done, my friends my friends have done this. They, like, have what's called fill-ins, which we weren't paid, of course, but, like, they'll literally have people paid to do this. Like, if you watch, like, current, like, WWE product stuff, like, you see the same, like, five or six people in that front row, like, the front row seating. So you have the guy with the green smiley shirt. You have the guy that looks like a woman. Uh, (laughs) You literally have like the same, the guy with the Natalia shirt, like the Indian guy with the glasses. Like you have the same people like that. I think that stems from this because this fan, they literally put the camera. Okay, now let me say this. This is the very, I mean, I know there was WCW stuff before Nitro, of course, but this is literally Nitro's first episode. So you're going to tell me that this fan, (laughs) this fan, this supposedly diehard fan comes with a big ass sign that says WCW. Now, hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Where the big boys play. Are you kidding me? How did they know this? They must have had a connection. Which was probably. I'm thinking. Was Eric Bischoff. He, he probably. Was smart enough to talk to Ted Turner about getting. Back in the day which would become villains. And will pay people. To hold signs up. So it. It. Draws more attention to our product that we need. So, upcoming next is Flying Brian Pillman. So, the first, very first match of WCW Monday Night Show, September fourth, nineteen ninety-five, Mall of America. is Brian Flying Pillman versus Juice and Thunder Liger. I don't, I like, I don't know how you could get any better of a starting match with two cruiserweights, two. Two names, like you, you, you honestly, when you think of Cruiserweights, like you think of the Mysterios of the world, the Guerreros of the world, the Jerichos of the world. But when you hear Pillman and Liger, like it's like, it's like you're going to like Japan. It's like, okay, not just saying that, you know, because Liger was in Japan a good bit. But it's like, it's like, it is like on another level how great this match is. Because you think of the legend of a pillman of a liger and it's just having those two fight each other and kick off Monday Night Raw's first episode was great. Um these two guys literally know their wrestling moves like um you you just know that it's going to be a great a just a very very smart move by WCW I would say. And you don't say that too often back in that time frame for either either product. You don't say that about WWF cuz it, it was all Diesel's, the uh, whole Bob Backlunds uh, just they were so lost over in WWF at the time. They they didn't know what to do. Um so so we start this match. Liger flips away with a wrist lock to start and nails Pillman get this in the corner with a rolling capu kick. He follows up with a, mon- a moonsault press for two. Pillman comes back with head out of the corner and tries a flying head off the second rim, but does not connect. They sort of botch here, sort of a mess up. So that takes a little away from it. I think. I think the thing about this match is, okay, Bischoff told these guys, you guys are first on the card. You guys are going first. You're going to... Represent WCW. Here you go. We're live. We're on live TV. You're seeing jitterbugs right from the start. Gets the cover, gets two. Pillman applies a three-quarter Nelson on the map. Rolls Liger over for two. Liger fights to his feet. Trips Pillman. Surfboard. Which I love the surfboard. Um, I'm trying to remember which wrestler does that. Um, Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm going to myself for this, but there is a current wrestler, and I can't. You know what? I can't believe I'm that freaking dumb. Daniel Bryan. I love. I I feel like this should have been a triple threat with Daniel Bryan, Brian Pillman, and Justin Thunderlager. I would pay top dollar for that. But we see the surfboard here at the first episode. Mongo insulting Heenan during the whole match. And I didn't mind it. I, I, that's the whole going back to him and like a gorilla monsoon. They head to the floor where Liger lands a can in ball splash off the apron. Pillman takes his turn, diving on Liger from the top terminal to the floor. Back in. Liger crosses Pillman up for a superplex for a one, two, not the three yet. Pretty close. Now the tide is turning. So you see the momentum shifting. Um, Pillman catches Liger with a drop kick. But when he does that, he's going off the top. Pillman ducks low off of it for a Liger bomb. Gotta love the freaking Liger bomb. Seeing it right now, it is spectacular how he does that. He literally rotates the guy. And it's such a close pinfall. Like he picks him up. And just slams him on the mat. Like he's saying, no games here, dude. This is what this is. Hurricane out of the corner from Liger and it gets two again. Liger sets Pillman up in the corner again for something. But Pillman punches back and hits Liger with one of my favorite wrestling moves. I love the Tornado, the, the classic Tornado DDTs. So we get one of those. Cover, it's another kick out. They get into a, a wrist lock exchange as Pillman. All of a sudden, out of the freaking blue, rolls up Liger for the first pinfall of the Monday Nitro era. In 6 minutes and 55 seconds at Monday Nitro Mall of America 1995, it is Brian Pillman getting the first win in WCW Monday Nitro's history. So... My take, my take on this match, um, you know, it it was good. I, th- I, I, you know, I think both guys could have did a little bit better. I love all the close pinfalls, though. I've always liked that. With, I know a lot of people bitch and complain that they don't like that stuff. I actually like it. So, if I'm gonna give a a one out of five. I would give it, give it about a three, half, C- just because of the botches threw it off a little bit. So, we do cut to a Sting promo, and you know, later in the night, something big happens during that match. St- Sting practically calls out the Nature Boy and says, "You can walk the aisle. You can be the man." You could be this, that, and the other, but you, until you step in this ring again with me, because they fought before Night Trail, you don't know what you're messing with. And you should know what you're messing with, but you don't know what you're messing with tonight. And then we see the old school freaking flames of WCW Monday Night trail and how spectacular it is. I wish they would bring WCW back and bring this back. AEW, you, you guys are nothing. You're not WCW. Stop pretending. Stop doing your... I know you're saying you're not trying to be WCW, but come on. You're on TNT, and you're calling yourself Dynamite, Dynamite, Nitro. Come on. Don't don't even play that, because it's not the same. And then... And then we come back from commercial. Ring. I'm a real American. Oh, fucking great! Are we at this point now? Yo, dude, man, guess what time it is, brother? Possumania run! Wow, man, it's WrestleMania three, dude. Uh, it's definitely not WrestleMania three. Possumania run! It's Possumania. so it has to be WrestleMania three. It's definitely not that time frame, Hogan. Do you want me to talk about the menu and talk about your pasta mania so we can get off this topic? Well, that's all I wanted, dude. I, I just want I want you to talk about about it, man, and how we're gonna all eat pasta dude and beat Big Bubba. Well, that's a that's a very bad bad name for a wrestler, but <laughs> I mean let's let's go over this BS of a menu. I'm sick and tired of of this. Come on, man. Don't be sick and tired of it. You gotta eat your vitamins. Eat your pasta. Eat your Hockey dude. Oh, my God. All right, let's pull pull up this menu so we can move on. We spent long enough on this. Oh, come on, man. Let, let's pull it up, dude. I, Hawk, I can't even find it. I can't even find Yes, you can, dude. It's for all the little maniacs, brother, the hocklemaniacs, dude. All right, well, shut up for a second, Hawk. So pasta mania oh my God, so this menu is the weirdest menu I've ever seen in my life. This menu is pretty uh pretty uh i don't even know i don't even know so for four dollars and (laughs) forty for four dollars and forty nine cents you can mix and match your pastas angel hair shells nuggets all right hulk what's with the nuggets come on man marinara and chicken nuggets brother don't you think that'd be great dude Oh, my God. Chicken nuggets go with barbecue sauce. I mean, I eat anything, but that just sounds disgusting. Well, you didn't do the sauces yet. Oh, I I will. Trust me. So, fettuccine penne. I get that. Then we go to the sauces. And maybe this is why this restaurant didn't work. Marinara, which is normal. Alfredo, normal. Pesto, normal. White clam, Come on, man. That's a Tampa Bay thing, brother. You get that? You get that? You 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 get that in California, dude. I get that where? In California, man. With all the fishermen going out there with their twenty-four-inch pythons and catching those clams, brother. Oh my God. I don't even know where to begin. Garlic and oil. And then we have. Uh, this is what I don't get. Then we have Swedish meatballs, pasta mexicana. Dude, are you guys feeding like Mysterio and Guerrero? Well, what's wrong with that man? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but aren't you trying to go for a pasta, pasta shop, man? I'm trying to get anybody to come over, dude. I'm trying to get all the maniacs to eat their to eat their eat eat the pasta and, and make it make it make it like ground beef dip, brother. Hulk, you're really you're really uh, stuttering there. Uh, this is probably why it didn't work out. Turkey Turkey terrazzini I never even heard of that. Come on, man! You don't eat that for lunch or dinner, dude. No, I really do not. And then Hulk's Power Pasta, Chicken Marinara, Fettuccine Primavera. Cheeseburger pasta? What do you even put in that Hawk? Uh, well, all of, we 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 uh, get it from vitamin cows. From what? We get it from vitamin cows, brother. Vitamin cows? There's no such there's no such thing. Yeah, there is, dude. Cause that's how we got we got cheeseburger pasta, man. That's more like ground beef and pot pa- and pasta. But, okay. Uh, but, okay. So, we're going to let Hulk go. So, click on him. So, let's, let's do some research on this. Okay? Because I want to see how long this son of a bitch was open for. We're going to pull it up here. I'm, I'm doing the, the Google thing. So here we go. Look at this. So on Google there is the retros, and it literally states the opening of Hulk Hogan's Pasta Mania restaurant at the Mall of America in nineteen ninety-five. So on the same day, this is this is how smart this is. They literally have Macho Man Randy Savage. They have Jimmy Hart, and they have Hulk Hogan. On the same day of Nitro's debut, with red and yellow balloons and a rainbow and a big yellow banner that says "Hulk Hogan's Possumania. um, you know, and you just—it's it, perfect because, sadly, it was nowhere near the Labor Day launch of Possumania Or I would have seen that, you know. So y- you you see this this whole thing on this website. And you see what they're doing. And it's it's unbelievable. It's literally unbelievable what they did. It literally was open. And I don't understand what the whole ordeal was. There's a whole video you can watch of the actual opening of this, which I'm going to watch after i am done this. But they lasted a few months. And they put all this time and effort just to shut it down. So I don't understand. But going back to the episode, Eric Bischoff interviews Hogan at the pasta shop. He compares Hogan to Michael Jordan. There must literally be a million kids around Hogan, which is typical, typical Hogan. You know. I don't think any of these kids ate there. I don't I don't think the food was any good. It was probably cold pasta that was not even good. Hogan asked all the kids, now get this. He asked all the kids who they thought the greatest wrestler is of all time. And they they said Hulk Hogan. But that's not even the thing. He then goes into a dra- diver tribe and says, Pasta Mania is running through his veins. So is this dude literally... In the back, sucking, like, pasta sauce. Come on, man. This is not cool. So we move on from this horrible segment This, Hey, brother! It's not horrible, dude. Oh, it it is. It's, It's pretty bad. So then we cut to the next match of the night. We jump right into two of the biggest icons in WCW history, going back into the 80s and the 90s, and now mid-90s, 1995, The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and Sting. You literally have two of the best icons going toe-to-toe here at Monday Night Tour 1995. At the time... Sting's the champion. So, he captured the WCW belt in June of that year of 95. So, this is for the WCW U.S. Heavyweight Championship, which I used to love when they call it the heavyweight, like U.S. Heavyweight Championship, because it makes the belt seem like it's actually Something. It actually makes it pretty freaking good. Okay, so we get the bell. The bell rings. Flair does his usual. He runs the ropes. While Sting does a bunch of leapfrogs to build into a press slam. Just like old times. Sting gives him another press slam. A hip toss out of the corner. Sets up a dropkick. And flares on the floor taking the count. Taking a breather. Saying, I don't want any part of it. Back in, Flair goes to the eyes and starts chopping drops like he always does. Sting starts just not not selling the whole thing, blows him off and gives him another plus slam plus press slam. Just he's pretty much like the Ultimate Warrior, WCW's version of WWF's Ultimate Warrior. They do the crossbody over the top. That causes them both to spill to the floor. Flair thumbs Sting. Charges at him, but takes another press. Flair... Av- Sting tosses him back in the ring. Flare begs him off. Typical Flair. I don't want any part. I don't want any part. Flair avoids the stinger flash, but Sting braced himself before any harm was done. Face slams to Flair. Sting runs an elbow out of the corner, and that... Put Sting on the mat. Commercial. We go to a commercial. Flair still in control. flare Sting, and still control. Q, Here comes, Arn Anderson, Mister Four Horseman, Horseman himself, coming in. And um, Sting misses a flying splash, but no sells a suplex. Flair gets whipped in the core for a flare flip. The typical Ric Flair flying over the top. Just all that WrestleMania 24th Shawn Michaels, that, that usual spot he does. And then the up the core goes nowhere. Back on the map, they go into a headstairs backslide sequence for two. Arn is still outside the ring at this point. Stingler is a superplex, and then spots. he finally spots Arn on the outside. Flair uses the distraction to chop block and go for, you know what, the figure four. Flair grabs the roots for leverage and won't let go at the count of five. Arn, you think Arn is on Flair's side because you think Flair and Arn like, hello, that's Four Horsemen territory. Arn has had enough of that and jumps in and breaks up the hold. Sting wins by DQ at 8 minutes and 43 seconds. Arn takes off his coat so he gets real loose to beat the holy shit out of Flare. So you can see they're building off of them, you know, the enforcer and Flare into a rivalry there, so which is pretty pretty cool. Now during this match, we see the debut of Lex Luger, and you hear Bischoff say Bischoff and Heenan and Mongo are all confused. Saying, like, what the hell is he doing here? Get this man out. And you hear Bischoff really playing it up, saying, get this man out of here. We do not want him here. He's not part of our company. Get him out of here. Like, he wants nothing to do with him. So, it, it's pretty much portraying, like, WWE is invading WCW at this rate, which is really cool. Now, I'm going to do a quick thing here. Because I said that I was going to get my thoughts on Luger. You know, comparing him to WWF when he was with them in the early, early 90s to WCW, Lex Luger. I think WWF had a plan, and you can clearly see it. Like, you know, he started out as a narcissist around the Royal Rumble in 1993. And then when Hogan left, they needed to find the next Hulk Hogan. So they looked right at Luger and and said, Hey, you know what? The heel thing, you in the mirror. And it's interesting because the guy that's saying, you know, pretty much with Bischoff during this thing, saying, What the hell is this guy doing here? Bobby the Brain Heenan. So, Heenan worked with Luger when he was a narcissist. So it's interesting how this all intertwines. So, Hogan goes to WCW and Vince says, Hey, I need you to be the main guy now because our main guy that we had for all the golden years, all you know, WrestleMania's the early WrestleMania's, is now Jump Ship and he's an arrival company. And this is before Nitro at the time. And so they had Lex and it's a great documentary if you watch it on WWE Network. It's it's a really good documentary of him traveling from city to city, state to state, in what was called the Lex Express. And he literally took the WWF by storm. He took the country by storm. And he led a charge that progressed him into being one of the greatest champions of all time. And I think that whole Lex Express... Was the biggest thing ever. I think that really started and fired up his career. Now I will say, his WCW career is on a whole another level for the best. He did a lot of stuff just by kicking off here at this first episode. He won some world world heavyweight championships with WCW. He joined the NWO Wolfpack, which i'm gonna do a podcast later down the line about n w l which i think they really dropped the ball with that, but he did a lot for w c w two i mean after he left w w f he never he never went back he i mean he went downhill him and him and uh miss elizabeth had a thing going on and and that led to miss elizabeth's death and then if you see I mean, he's getting a little bit better. But if you saw Lex Luger after that, it was just not good. But if you had to tell me I needed to pick one side or the other, it's so hard. Because this guy, you look at WCW, Monday Night Show. who do you think? You think of Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, NWL side, and you think Sting and Flair. But the two main entities were the NWO and Sting. You think Goldberg, and you think Flair. But you have to think Luger, because Luger made it something. He made himself. So if I had to pick, it's so hard, because he did so much in the WWF. He, at the Royal Rumble, he tied Bret Hart at Royal Rumble 1994, right before, you know, I guess way before this episode here. But they tie each other. They both eliminate each other at the end of the show. So... And he yeah, had the Lux Express. But... To be deadly honest... I think he had a more... More better career with WCW. Because you, you ultimately think... When you think of... That time frame and what was going on... You have to think... He was better off than WCW. So... That was my take on that. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. Um, I'm going to get down to... I did skip over a few things. Nothing nothing crazy. Um, there was a promo. Actually, there's two promos I do want to talk about. And it was earlier in the episode. We had a promo for Wall Street. AK IRS, he joins WCW. Dress, he literally looks like the Million Dollar Man. And he pretty ma- practically pretty much says in his promo, which is pretty funny, he says, I'm waiting for the IRS to come see Wall Street. So he's merging IRS into Wall Street into one, which, like I said, Luger did good for WCW. IRS did better for WWF than WCW. He didn't do anything. Other than joining the NWO, But what did he even do? He was past his prime. And that's the whole thing that killed WCW as well. Talking trash to WWE. And promoting these old farts. So. And then there was another promo. Which is pretty freaking awesome. Is Sabu. Sabu's time... WCW was very short-lived and it was very weird but they did such a great promo for him that it, it was it was really cool so it was it was pretty cool to see him he only lasted a couple episodes which he's a when you think Sabu you think ECW you don't think WCW but it was it was cool so now we head to our main event which is going to be WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, my God. Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart, fresh from the pasta shop, versus Big Bubba Rogers, a.k.a. Big Boss Man, two big guys, w, WF 80s. And this is what you see a lot of. Bischoff announces Savage versus Norton, which we saw earlier in the episode. Bubba works a headlock, and Hogan fights out with a short bar. Lots of Hogan's port in his old AWA stomping grounds in Minnesota. Hawk avalanches him in the corner. McMichael makes the wrestling century by calling Hogan a technician. I thought that was weird. Um, Hogan catches Bubba with a boot out of the corner. He won't fall down, so Hogan just pushes him over. Bubba nails Hawk with an uppercut, hits the boss man's straddle. Bubba slides underneath Hogan for the uppercut from the floor and then goes after Jimmy Hart. He pulls Jimmy out of his suit. He rips this guy out of his suit. (laughs) and nails him, and goes to nail him, but Hawk blocks his blow and gives him a punch of his own. Hogan wraps Jimmy's suit jacket around Bubba's head as he gives him the 10-count corner punch. We see Hawk delivering a running clothesline, and he slams up another elbow drop and the boot right. Bubba knees Hogan in the gut, but misses a corner splash, trying to be like the stinger. It looks like to be curtains for Bubba until Hogan charges right into a Bubba Slam, cover one, two, kick out. Hulk up. Hulk does the finger point. He does the big boot. He nails the leg drop, and it is a one-two. Good night, Big Bubba. They end the first WCW Nitro episode, which makes sense, with brother Hulk Hogan, the seven ten beats. Big Bubba, a.k.a. Big Boss Man, seven minutes and ten seconds at the first episode of Nitro. So that is it. I hope you guys enjoyed this long podcast. I think next week won't be as long. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but uh, I think we might be going back to 2008. Yeah, so from 2020 to 1995 to 2008. This is... Wrestling with Topics with Matthew Lehner. Thanks for listening. And subscribe at Apple Music, Spotify, and the best place to get podcasts done, Anchor Podcasting. Have a good night. Thanks for listening.